Hi, I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. Welcome to She Said, She Said. Have a very special guest for you today, Amy Flurry. Amy is a features writer and former editor from some of the biggest names in magazine publishing. She's worked with Lucky, Country Living, Condé Nast Traveler, and House Beautiful, among many others. She's also an expert at reinvention, which is a topic that we talk about a lot. And while there are important nuggets and a lot of things that we can learn from her own story, she's also using her experience to help others understand and fine tune both their personal brand and their personal story. She teaches and consults to help individual uh, influencers become experts at their own public relations, essentially DIY PR. It's fabulous. She's also the author of a terrific book called Recipe for Press, Pitch Your Story and Create a Buzz, which she self-published, and then she used that book to help her promote her business. She has been a featured speaker at national trade shows around the country, and she's just a fabulous resource. Uh, as always, I'll include links to Amy's book and to her website in the show notes for this episode, episode 111. With so many people taking a good hard look at careers and many making significant life changes, either just in the regular course of their lives or as a result of the significant experience that we're going through with this terrible pandemic and the economic circumstances around that. Amy's advice has never been more important, so I think you'll really find it valuable. A few themes that we're gonna talk about specifically today, how she designed her business and what you can learn from her experience. We'll get her perspective on monetizing ideas, uh, we'll talk about how to pitch your ideas and get attention from magazine editors. And then we'll also talk about the impact that a published book, like Amy's, can have to help you sell your business, your ideas, and your services. So, Amy, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you and delighted to talk to you a little bit about your story and your business. So let's start with what you do now. What, what is your business? I am a brand advisor, a communications advisor, and partner to a few brands, but I do advise many. At its core, I'm a communications advisor. And what makes maybe me different or my approach different is that I, I really value where creativity and community and commerce come together. Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't always value, you know, maybe the <laughs> commerce side, but as I've become a business, I really do. And I see how directly these, you know, I see the interplay, the strong interplay between them. Mm -hmm. So you worked at a very high level as a features writer and an editor for some 20 years. Mm -hmm. And you made a pretty big career pivot to become an entrepreneur. Talk a little bit about both why you did that and kind of how you thought about it at the time. Mm -hmm. What was the impetus for making the shift? Looking back, until that moment happened, I probably thought I would always be writing for magazines and editing and putting, putting together, you know, really producing stories. 
um, it, it is my deep joy, you know, and I'm really curious about people's stories. I, I really love the beauty part when you, when with magazines and now with video introducing that into um, production, you know, how you do that in your point of view, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it just had not crossed my mind that I would do anything differently amazingly until it did yeah and i remember when it did i think i was i was interviewing a very big designer not even going to name names because (laughs) it would seem insulting but actually they were so good at handling me the press Mm -hmm. and i was supposedly the peak of my career so i was the chosen you know writer to spend time and only one you know there was only one who got this time um, and that was kind of where I was in my work. And I could just see the message that was being repeated. I could see somebody very good at, you know, the business of press and somebody who had kind of lost that sense of gratitude. Mm. And, you know, I had not lost that in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I labored over stories. I wanted to be a better writer. And when I saw that, but then I also was, it was in the fashion field, I just had a very strong feeling like maybe I have something to contribute now mm-hmm. instead of telling everyone else's story. Um, I didn't abandon doing that, but I just, it dawned on me like, maybe it's my time now to, what, what do I have to say? Yeah. I didn't know what I had to say yet. But <laughs> <laughs> and then the recession came and that quickly helped me, you know, um, sometimes when the when it's just so open, that's that um, paralyzes you. You know, I could do anything. Maybe right. you know, what could I do? I don't know. You know, let's talk about it. And you know, you just never focus the idea. But as Leslie Seymour, one of your guests before, said, yeah. you know, the magazine world was in trouble. I saw it too. I didn't see a future. I decided to transition. And I just paid attention to what everybody had always asked me as a freelancer after I had written stories about them and after that press had really moved the needle on their business, how do I get more? It was a conversation and a coffee conversation I had had a hundred times over. Um, But at that point I said, you know, maybe before I really fully pivot, I'll just write the book that every editor wants to say, you know, and to tell you, but they're not going to tell you about how to pitch them and how to get in these pages. So this was like 2007, 2008 timeframe. That's right. Yeah. And so you started with the book versus the business, right? Is that kind of how you began? (laughs) You started with what you knew how to do best. That's right. And it wasn't business. Um, um, I and you know somebody else told me something at that time so maybe it was 2008 and they they said you know a career where you're having to reinvent the story every time is a really hard business to be in and at that time I was kind of offended like well you just don't know me then because that's what I've done for 20 years I'm you get good at it <laughs> but when there's the work's not there you know you really can't argue but I I, I kind of actually thought about that one for a while. And I said, that wasn't an insult. You know, don't be, it wasn't an, meant as an insult. It was like, you're in a new phase of your life. 
you can build a business about around your core strengths. Um, and you might need something that is um, recurring income <laughs> that you aren't personally responsible for every last word, every last contract, every new idea, you know. Yeah. So uh, a book actually was that. I, I did the book because it's what I knew to do. And it, I kind of had to be in my bonnet. Um, I approached a design school. Uh, I didn't know how to do a book and I didn't think, feel like I had time to go through the traditional publishing path, which uh -huh. you know, is to go through a publisher, an agent. I didn't really have a track record. Um, so I approached a design school and I said, listen, I've, I know this idea is gonna be great. <laughs> um, if you just could take me on as a project, I've seen you've done you know, beautiful books and I wanna do a beautiful self uh, kind of help or business help book. Um, and if, so they said, they finally came around and they said, yes, and they assigned me a student and we did this book in a semester. That's all the time I had. After that, the, the kid graduated and we had a kind of peer advisor or a professor that met with us um, uh -huh. as we I'm tracked gonna, through. I'm going to grab the book, even though yeah. if you're listening to She Said, She Said podcast, you won't be able to see it unless you go to the website. But if you're watching on YouTube, this is the first book right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful, as I was saying to Amy before we got started, it, it is truly beautiful. Uh, you know, most of us have read self-published books before, mm -hmm. but they have that feel like somebody put it together. In their <laughs> Not to say that the content cannot be great with a self-published book. Much of it is really terrific. Yeah. This is both quality content as well as really beautiful. And so I was, I was really curious as mm -hmm. to how you put this together and to do it that fast. Um, well, I kind of treated every chapter like an article, like I was producing, like I had been doing a feature article. And if you'll notice, it's almost put together in sections like a magazine, you know, so it has some re recurring element, graphic elements. Um, I knew that you know it should be beautiful. That's that was the world I was coming from. Yeah. And the images sell. Um, so I really made sure to procure really and to go and use people in the book that would be able to deliver the images and that I could use because I didn't have the budget to go and do all the photo shoots. I knew how to do that from my magazine days. Mm -hmm. And then it just helped me to organize it. But I also just wanted to simplify the art of getting press on your own because it is so overwhelming um, there are many stages but what i was trying to do with this is just simplify it and demystify because i could see people had just really gotten themselves worked up about how what the approach should be i felt it on the other end as an editor when people pitched me like i was some oz you know behind the curtain making judgment on their product yeah. you know and on them and you're, you're and, probably also seeing it from the standpoint that you know you probably saw errors that they would make or ways in which they could have designed their pitch that would have been more effective as you were the person that's receiving right. it that's and they were they they were similar the people, most people made the same errors mm -hmm. and they thought they were doing it correctly. And they were, it, they were more overworking it, if anything, um, trying too hard. And the signals that you want to send busy editors is that you're going to be easy to work with. You're going to value the relationship <laughs> um, and that you're ready for press. And so the indicators 
what are those indicators um, that I go to your website and it it looks um, you know like you're ready like I want to send tens or hundreds of thousands of subscribers to it and feel right. good about that um, it's that you have those press ready pictures it's that you know to return calls to editors quickly but you don't call them to pitch you don't get your feelings hurt when we say no for now it's not you know we'll probably come back if we like it um, it's keeping not telling the whole story not overwhelming the editor with your entire story but approaching them with part of your story that matters to the pages they write and what that means is that you bothered to read it beforehand mm -hmm. and you have some familiarity with the work and that you've tried to do the homework to approach them with something that they might be looking for mm -hmm. so it's not it's it, it's not everybody gets through reading this book and they're like oh my gosh thank you so much it's like a deep exhale and i will hear often people say well that's really common sense but it still helps to to know that i think because ego plays in here like someone's choosing you over the next that is true an editor's job is to pick and choose but you have editors write these pages over and over and over again i just see it like fishing like i'm gonna if i pitch i'm gonna catch a fish if i do it long enough and i do it well and i know the hot spots and you know yeah yeah and just treat it like that um but it is a big part it it should be a part of the business um, if you have products and if you have online websites or if you have a book and and that's where I learned even more deeply when I finished this book and I printed I think I told you this I printed an obnoxious number of books <laughs> that arrived on a semi <laughs> didn't plan for that um, you printed I think you told 10,000 10,000 copies so <laughs> And my first challenge was where does the semi drop them off? You know? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it kind of lit a fire under, and you know, you don't, <laughs> it's really funny looking back. It really did light a fire under me to get out there and sell them. And I kind of took the attitude, like if I can't sell what I have written a book about, you know, if I can't share this with editors and try to get some help getting attention for it, then it's then it shouldn't exist but it exists right now so i just really got busy pitching my own book mm -hmm. both to editors and to market directors at these big centers where people gather and um in turn that ended up creating a new career for me mm -hmm. talk about how you used the book like to talk about you would take it to trade shows and then what would what would happen to it and how would you go about selling it? Cause you ultimately yeah. sold all 10,000 yeah. copies. Yeah, I've sold, I've sold over 10, well, I have two books and you know, I have, um, I might have a thousand left on the first book, but I'm going to do like a newly, people are still buying this book, but there I could update it. And, a re-release um, or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, initially, of course, when you have books, you think I need to gather people or go where people gather. Mm -hmm. And so I did approach markets across the country, um, more like the indie craft experience or, you know, I thought that's who would be buying it. Small entrepreneurs, boutique owners, the people who I'd been writing for for so about for so long. Mm -hmm. And and they did, but they were so quick to pivot that they took the material 
turned it into PDFs and sold it on Etsy, you know, and made it their own. And, and that was totally fine. Um, yeah. But it's just that they are so clever and, you know, spirited and everything. Um, so I didn't find that ultimately that was the crowd that, and, and they were operating on budgets that didn't take the business further. You know, they really valued the book, but consults didn't always follow. But I did notice that happening with the um, interior design industry. They mm -hmm. were the largest kind of group of uh, trade to, to fill the seats. I kept getting invited back to the, um, you know, the trade shows for that specific um, profession. And, and I could see opportunity was growing for them um, specifically because, again, if you think about it, it makes sense. They operate in beauty they operate in strong photography and they move a lot of money moves through their hands. So everybody wants their attention. So when suddenly everybody manufacturers and people who before just showed up to sell goods and now they have to have all the social media channels, they have to have newsletters. So they were, that created more opportunity for designers, not just traditional press, but shared, you know, collaborative kind of, press and um, so I just saw a lot of opportunity in that segment so my second book is directed directly to the design industry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I've kind of uh, focused my audience yeah yeah how did you it really was a matter of kind of starting broad mm -hmm. and then ultimately narrowing your focus so that you're serving a niche and as you and I talked about when we first met via Zoom, of course, <laughs> yeah. a month ago, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a chance to meet in perfect. Yeah. But um, the, the, the importance of not getting distracted by the fact that you can produce content that will reach bazillions, That's so true. People, but that it can be more impactful to really narrow that focus. Talk about, talk a yeah. little bit about that because I, I find this personally challenging. I see other, other business owners who find this challenging, especially in the content space. Mm -hmm. that. How do you think about building a community in this niche audience? Everybody says it, you know, all, all like I've heard so many people talk about find a niche. That's a, it, it's a lot easier, but you will do better. You, your business will thrive. And it really seems counterintuitive. If I have a message that speaks to everyone, why would I do that? Why right. would I abandon everyone and go down this path? But what ends up happening, I have learned, is that more opportunity, you, you need to be not just an expert in, you know, for me, communications, you need to be an expert in that field. Then you suddenly more opportunity arrives. So for me, through speaking, through going to the design centers and really beginning to understand the business of interior design, I was approached at some point to be a creative director for a project management app. It was kind of the first of its kind project management app for interior designers. It was a tech technology piece, but that had to be positioned, you know, really well. And, and that's what I kind of now know how to do best is position a, a company. Um, through voice, through feeling, through visuals, and um, through a strategy. So then through that job, which was short-lived, I learned all the back end. I learned, you know, the sequence of interior designers and their projects. I was exposed to top executives on the manufacturing side. So my exposure became greater in this niche. Mm -hmm. um, and then the consulting that started coming to me 
through that, I, I had more, more and more depth of experience in that field. So then I start working with showrooms. So that's another segment of the interior designer and is somebody that the interior designer directly needs and the showroom needs the interior designer. Um, I started working with manufacturers. So all of the, the, the common thread were everyone that I started working with or was approached by needed the interior designer. So that told me again, keep paying attention to this interior designer. They're important. Mm -hmm. And not only do you see, you know, opportunity, not only did I see just wild opportunity for them in press or in press like, I guess just opportunity for them in that mm -hmm. way. I, I saw how valuable they were to these other segments within that industry. And then I started putting a business together around that. Yeah. How so I guess that's what happens is that you just become an expert, not only in what you're doing, mm -hmm. but in, in you become a different kind of expert. And those two things can marry to be a more profound business. Yeah. Yeah. How difficult was it to turn all of this into a business? This was a, <laughs> right. This is it's a real pivot to go from working for someone to becoming yeah. your own boss and an entrepreneur, yeah. and actually taking that entrepreneurship and monetizing it. Those are all. Those are different things. Right. How challenging was that? And what 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 <sighs> advice would you give to people who are thinking about embarking on something like that? It's just kind of sweet to to think about that question and to think about the things that stand out along the way. In brief, I think what I can say is it's who I am. It's my life. It's not just the work. It's a big part of my life. And so I treated it like that. So when, you know, so sometimes we went across the country and I, if I saw like, Oh, I got a, a gig in San Francisco, we'd take the family and they would help me, you know, they would help me set up. I would be doing things that were very humbling, you know, the number of times my young daughter or son, like schlepped books, heavy boxes of books to places that I was so fired up about. And then, you know, I guess I was just super optimistic because I certainly didn't need that many books, you know, and they would see it, you know, they would see like, wow, not, you know, maybe not on one occasion or a couple of occasions, I'd had 500 people show up and on another two, two, three days later, 20 or five, you know, so yeah. I just got in my head, I think from that kind of start of really not knowing what I was doing, but being willing to try. I also knew I was really good at one thing. I was good at writing. I, I had, I knew if I could did one thing well and could complete that thing, I could do something else well and complete it. It's just going to take time. And so I, at least I should enjoy it along the way and not, so not have the expectation of like, I've got to um, scale it to sale. Yeah. That, that was not me. That's not who I am. I, I'd rather live it, enjoy the people I'm working with and really um, approach it that way. Yeah. And, and so it's just been a set of experiences that are sometimes funny, sometimes amazing where I can't even believe I did that or that happened to me. It's a, some, it's again, sometimes humbling. You know? It's just that, <laughs> but um, it's the shared experience also with, you know, my family and with whoever's working with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have advice for, you know, for people that maybe don't have as clear a sense of what they're good at 
-hmm. they're good at a lot of things mm -hmm. sort of more of a generalist perhaps as opposed mm -hmm. to having sort of specialized knowledge in a particular area what's mm -hmm. your advice for figuring out what it is that really resonates with you what you love what you're supposed to do and you know whether you can build a business around whatever that thing is mm -hmm. well if that person was younger um was young not young not younger but just young you know i would say go and work for a small business that was on the rise but that could only afford one person be that person because you're going to be you might be have graduated in um journalism and you you think you're going to be doing communications for that small business and what you're doing is your communications you're sometimes the carpool ride you are you're in production, you're in operations, you know, you get kind of a more broad because that's how small businesses are. They can't, they are no marketing departments necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that because then, then that person could kind of see where their strengths are and the person they're working for could also. And as you grow, then you would get more focused, you know, and then you might be able to build out that department. But generally working for a small business, you're going to do a little bit of everything um, and just kind of going into that with the same vigor. Um, as we, I really did like that interview with Leslie. From, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you. She's such a rock star, but you know, when you get to 40, like what she was saying, something's going to happen. It's just different phases of life. So I think my better advice is what I've learned is really, really look at where you are in life because where, where I am right now in five years, five years, not in 10 years in five years, it's going to look a little different. Mm -hmm. So just take it in little chunks like that so that you're not making a decision that feels like for the rest of my life, you know, just mm -hmm. really consider that and really consider what are your priorities right now and um, someone helped me learn to do this kind of from a business you know angle and once you know your priorities then you can make decisions around that right that's that's my answer kind of as we get older you know and as women there's a lot on us there's a lot of expectation so mm -hmm. i have really appreciated kind of taking that smaller time frame and making decisions around my priorities and where and how I want to spend time. You know, it, it's interesting. And I think, I think you touched on this when we talked before, you don't always see an evolution or a pivot coming, even though it's a very natural progression in your life as you're just talking about. And it feels to me like if we did a better job of preparing each other, right? Mm -hmm. Preparing our future selves for mm -hmm. what that evolution, career, personal, and otherwise may look like, that it can make it seem like a more natural occurrence as opposed to something that, at least for me, was a wake-up call and, and kind of shocking to me that I all of a sudden outgrew what it was that I was doing and really desperately wanted to do something that was very, very different from that. But you felt like you had to make a leap into an unknown or that, and that you probably didn't have the support or people like you didn't know who to go to, or they didn't know how to even respond to you. I Absolutely. agree fully. I yeah. mean, that's a big thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm it, glad it you're can... talking about that now because I have a, a an 18 year old daughter. I'm going to remember this. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I think it's, you, you launch into your career and you think I, I won't ever, I'm in my dream job. I won't ever get tired of this. Yeah. And you will, it doesn't matter what you're yeah. doing. You're going to hopefully continue to grow 
and evolve. And it's just yeah. a natural part of that evolution. Well, doesn't that free you up to dream a little and to think, you know, and I, I do really value that about this country in particular is that it's, it's, it's no walk in the, it's not easy to be a small business owner mm -hmm. and, you know, small business is not like in the eyes of the government. It's not that small, you know, right. Right. Um, it's not easy, but you do have the opportunity, you know? And so that's nice um, because then it, it does open up what can, what can I do? Mm -hmm. Where can I look? How can it look? You can, you kind of have the room to shape that. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about the other revenue streams that you've grown. You started with the book as a jumping off point, but you also have a consulting business. There's a number of different things that you're doing. The magazine, which I know is yep. very specific to yep. your kind of core followers. Uh -huh. Talk a little bit about the other elements of your business that have grown since you launched this. Okay. So started with book one and quite honestly, I thought that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. done. <laughs> yeah, 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 I really did. I thought I kind of needed to get it off my chest, but it was that ordering 10,000 again that was like, oh, God. Um, what would have been a better number? I mean, would, would you do it differently? That's if, a very good question. <laughs> not fill up your garage all at one moment. Right. <laughs> um, okay. When you look at even a thousand books physically, see, that is a lot of books to sell. <laughs> you know, if you don't have a distributor, right. and I did not, I had me, yeah. you know, I had me and my idea and my confidence that I, that people needed this book. That was enough, but you know, I was going to have to figure out, I didn't have a mentor, let's say, or any kind of understanding of how this worked. But very quickly, when I started to think what else, you know, the book the book is a product, but what could come of that? And how many consults do I need? Or how many can I do well, you know? And then um, I created another tool, but I created these tools, honestly, I wasn't thinking about the business, but in retrospect, um, it's a good idea. I was responding to people's needs. They were telling me what to do. So that if you, if you can't quite, if you don't quite know what the roadmap is, that's a, key signal. So people would say, I got the book. Oh, I love it. I've read it. You know, they would show me just like yours. It's got all these sticky notes and it's yeah. super sweet. And they were like, but I cannot for the life of me figure out how to find the editors. And I heard that over and over again. And so we created a media list, but a media list for entrepreneurs that was not overwhelming, that were the right, you know, market editors and their email addresses and with notes section to help because otherwise services that sell sell names and you know these lists they're really overwhelming um they're just thousands of kind of random sometimes random names and if they're not random you're paying a fortune for this service um, so we started to put that together and i think we're on our eighth year and every update it gets better and better because people are telling us what they need you know, and we work with people if they don't see the name on the list or they and they can't find that person, we'll go and find it. So it keeps this conversation and that conversation keeps the possibility of business around. So the media list was one and then I cre created this little tool. It's an old fashioned informational wheel and it's on the website. It's on amyflurry.com is where everything is. And 
this was just something you hang in your office where it reminds you to pitch, but also it's, um, it's, it's more telling you what editors are looking at at that looking for at the moment that you're ready to pitch. So for example, national magazines are pulled together six months in advance. So the time to pitch holiday is not when you start to hear holiday music. It's, it was back in summer, you know, mm -hmm. those gift guides, ever important gift guides, editors are pulling those together right now. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know it, you don't know it. So right. we, you know, it was just a creative exercise for my team, but we loved it. And I was like, I'm going to get that printed and make it part of the bundle. And so I just tried to create a very reasonably priced resource or toolkit for starter kit for businesses on here's how to do your own press. And these are the tools that you need. And if, if I identified another one, I would add that. Um, but so far, so, so good with those. <laughs> yeah. How about feedback that you get from the editors themselves? Does it help? Oh, yeah. This, um, they love it. They're like, thank you for saying what we wanted to say. That, that's kind of the attitude is like, um, I think more and more people are talking about this now also and have made businesses around it or have made, you know, consulting from this very information that, that I was kind of putting out there a long time ago. But, but I think that more people see the value of getting their product or services or a profile and and more, I, I guess, it's, I, I think we're just in a moment where there's so much information out there that people pretty much believe they can put two and two together and kind of right. be like, well, I, I should, I should pitch. How do I get in there? And then you Google it, you know, so editors were very, they, they received and they were really grateful and they work with me a lot. And we, my team works with, with them um, because I also have a pitch support arm of my business now. And that is a new service that we introduced actually because while I want people to do it on their own, again, this is just an example of how I've built a business responding to people's needs, to what they're telling me in my field. I, I offer the media list. Um, we offer all kinds of tutorial around it, do a lot of material and writing and blog posts around that. But sometimes people say, you know, Amy, I've bought this thing for three years in a row and I know myself and I'm not going to do it. Do you have any kind of short term pitch support? That's not, I don't need the full PR. We're already good at our marketing. It's just this thing escapes us. Mm -hmm. So we created that. And that's what I'm saying is that it's kind of, if you're paying attention to what people are asking for time and again. And for so long, I put the brakes on that. I was like, no, I was all about DIY PR. I don't yeah. want to do your PR. I want you to do your PR. Right. But this is just one part of that. A lot of responsibility for a company. And sometimes you just need a little help, a little support. Sure, sure. Well, and helping people understand what's involved, even if ultimately they don't end up doing it themselves, understanding how to craft the message so that the person who is doing the pitching has a more fine-tuned approach Absolutely. to doing that, right? I mean, there's yeah. great value in that. Talk a little bit about how you've grown as a person, what's changed for you as you have embraced this new path? <laughs> the hard question, well, maybe. Yeah, but it's, it's always the hard stuff that helps you expand and grow realizing there are so many people out there that are so good at their work and that you don't have to fight against that. Like be flow more like a river, you know? And I think for whatever reason, 
I, I wanted to be really good at things, but maybe I wasn't as good at sharing. And so when I wrote the book and when I had to put myself out there, I realized that sharing was quite natural, you know, but why had I not learned that um, was a good thing when it came to business or maybe the moment just changed. And it's definitely now even more so. People are, you know, it's the collaboration over competition. But for so long, I think we had just been pumped like competition, competition. And, um, and I'm an athlete and I'm kind of wired that way. But when I kind of relaxed a little bit and just realized there's room for everybody, you know, and that it, it's really nice to be a part of other people's growth. So I have something that can help one part of that. But what I understand now is there's a lot of parts to a good business. So just, you know, don't try to own all of that and take all the credit, you know, it's just not necessary. And that came with age and experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Another part of that notion of, I mean, really paying it forward and tapping into giving back is something that you've done naturally really across your entire career and that is this internship program that you mm. have been doing for a number of years even before you started your your business mm-hmm. talk about why having this internship program has been important what the benefits are to that interns are kind of kind of like having kids too so it's always you know as your kids get older and you realize like how or they help you realize sometimes like how little you know (laughs) (laughs) and they would be the first to tell you how little you know (laughs) they would now the internship program is something i started about 20 years ago i do live in a college town in athens georgia the university is on our doorstep you know back door and um and they have a very good journalism school and i graduated from that school um and I think someone suggested that long ago, they, I was writing for Lucky Magazine. It was a very popular mag. It was at its heyday. And I think someone came to me and said, I want to be an intern. And I didn't, um, like you said earlier, like, I don't have the structure to, to you know, um, and, and I do remember that um, one of the first candidates who came to my house, because I was operating from my home office, um, she came in heels and I had gravel in the driveway and she complained that, you know, she had kind of messed up her heels or, you know, and I just thought this is, this is going to be fun. (laughs) But I looked at her resume and I saw honest, honestly, I was like, this person knows a lot more than I do in some departments. Mm -hmm. Why would, you know, if I can, or if not her, someone else like her, um, so it, it wasn't her, but someone else with that much experience and knowledge um, in a different part of communications came around. And she was, she was so adorable. She, she didn't have a resume. Her enthusiasm alone made me excited. She said, Amy, I'll do whatever makes your, your life easier. If I can just learn a little bit from you. I want to go to New York after I graduate. I feel like I need, you know, some kind of guidance and you're working for one of the top magazines so I'll do whatever and and she even bounced her chair closer like to me she said I I just feel like I'm so far away you know and and I thought this is exactly the opposite of what this is this is so sweet Um, she ended up working with me 
I just found the right person at the right time that I thought could get past the fact that I'm working in my office. That I had t toddlers or whatever age that the kids were. Oh, they were very young. One didn't even exist. <laughs> and she could just work with me where I was. Yeah. And I made it okay for me. It wasn't like someone was in my house all the time. I said, let's do two hours on Monday, two hours on Thursday, something like that. Mm -hmm. Get good on delivery because you're in the business of deadlines. And I'll teach you and share what I know. She did end up going to New York. She did end up getting a job in magazines and with, with some help, I mean, but on her own as well. Um, and she ended up in my, featured in my second book because she's a major magazine editor now. And I promise you, it feels like just not that much time, but now I'm pitching her. Uh -huh. So I didn't quite put all that together at the time, but I kept that internship going because they kept bringing me people. Mm -hmm. And, and as long as that happened, I knew better than to turn down the help. And I was learning something from them too. Yeah. And I think over time, I just realized the importance of um, energy, their, their energy and youth, how good it is to be close to that. And then the far, further you get from it, the more important it is to be around it. Um, and, and there, um, we've done so much together. I've just, um, I really have felt I, it was not a paid internship, but they got credit mm -hmm. through UGA. Um, but I made sure the deal was, I'm not even going to do this for a semester. You have to stay with me the whole year. The first part of the year, you're going to work and you're going to learn my way because nobody's, nobody else is going to teach you that because it's just, I'm the one that came up with it. <laughs> right. And the second part of the semester, we're going to start working on you because you're going to be graduating. So I'd try to get kids that were in their junior year, you know, going to graduate. And then I would help open doors for them. Mm -hmm. And um, probably 50% I do that successfully. And probably 50% are able to do that on their own and have something beforehand. But about 80% of those interns are still in my life in wow. one form or fashion. We're talking now like probably there's 40 or more that have graduated through this program. Um, and now look at that. That is a network. Yeah, That's a part of my business. You know, that's not just the internship. So I, I structure it. You know, I, my assistant um, who was part-time is now the intern coordinator. So I got a little help there and we got very regimented about use of time. Mm -hmm. And, and it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really, it's an amazing way, an additional way of having an impact and really paying your knowledge forward in addition to what you're doing for directly for clients. Beautiful thing. And they, and they come, they end up coming back. And like I said, now I work with my former interns. They're in major, they're in bigger positions than I am, you know, and they're, and that's so great to see they're they're They were great when they were with me and, yeah. but it's nice to go, with many of them to celebrate life moments or for them to have seen my kids grow up because they were around. And, and that's what I mean by living what I do mm -hmm. because it was always in my house until I did get a, a studio. It's just hard to parse what's work and what's life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. What's, yeah. Well, you were set up interestingly for, you know, when this pandemic hit because you're already working from home how how much changed with what you were mm -hmm. were doing? What was the impact on your business? Um, 
I had, I did have a, an office that I had for six or seven years downtown specifically for the interns because it was just getting a little snug. Um, <laughs> And, and specifically to house some books also. Mm -hmm. And I, I had let that go last year because I was going to build a studio and we'll still do that, but that got put on hold. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we already, I think this is one of the key things in business that they don't talk about enough. We already knew how to be lean. And when you grow and grow and grow and fast, you start to feel like, well, I need more space. I need more I need, I need, I need, you know, it's really good to know what your baseline needs are. There's a lot of freedom in that and not to be em embarrassed or, um, you know, to feel like that's, uh, um, le that's less than because you don't have this stuff because look at what's happened now. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing law firms who had to come in, come home who were going to expand but they've decided instead now, because people are working successfully at home, to let that extra space go and to, to contract and to take less space. Right. And to you take what you need and what is comfortable for you know your staff. So, um, because of course we're we're still self isolating. We've used Zoom a lot, like everyone. We're kind of meeting on the porch now um a few of us <laughs> um but we did go back to doing a lot of writing mm -hmm. uh, we we're we're experts in in diy pr and the many branches of that and in positioning and how important communications how how much that plays into revenue mm -hmm. and i said and i told the team i said you know what this is this is hilarious what i'm about to say because we'd gotten so far away from this i said we got to sell more books and media lists. <laughs> that has to be a client now. Yeah. You know, because I'm not sure about, I'm not sure if my other clients can come with at this moment. They are not sure about their future. Mm -hmm. So we need to make that up with these physical products that we have that can be mailed in a mailbox or sold through the site. And I said, if you can do that, you can stay on board. And you know, we've been doing that. And it's really funny because I tas tasked them with a challenge and I think I'd gotten lazy on that part. But I, um, so we've been doing more of that. And mm -hmm. the way to do that is through communicating and, yeah. and delivering something that's important and useful to people. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you fuel your creativity. This is a creative business at its core based on what mm -hmm. you're doing. What are the resources that you turn to to keep your creative juices moving? I, I do a lot, of, a lot of reading around creativity and how to spark it and how to maintain it. And, you know, all, especially during the summertime, those yep. are some of my, my top um, areas to continue to explore. What are you using that you're finding really valuable in that, in that regard? Well, my husband's a novelist and over the last 25 years, we have every few years taken, just relocated somewhere, somewhere beautiful, you know, Greece or Paris or something like that. But just for a few months, nothing extravagant, just the extravagance was in the move. Uh -huh. But we didn't have anything else planned. So it was just like daily living. But that kind, that kind of release from the day in and day out, and that kind of time and space and beauty, you know, seeking beauty, whether it's like, through nature or through, you know, uh, travel, 
um, I've noticed that good ideas just flood you, you know, when you're kind of free to let them, when the doors are open. Yeah. Um, but we can't do that right now. Um, so uh, martinis on Friday night are always helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, listening to music, we're in a music town, but, you know, we kind of um, looking at the work of other artists and letting yourself enjoy that um you know we sometimes listen to records and and just the clarity just letting yourself enjoy something else um i went to my parents farm i did visit them with my daughter and we watched a storm roll in you know from the porch on this wide open farm and i noticed that for me that kind of thing really does it it's having the space I'm already surrounded by so much of it in my work. I mean, I have lists upon lists upon lists. It's really taking a step back and giving yourself the space to let it come after you, you know, have gathered. Yeah. So important. Even if you're not technically in a creative field, it's such, those are such important practices to me. Yeah. Yeah. So how about one final question? I ask most everybody who comes on the podcast for a single piece of advice, a life hack or a mantra. Maybe it's something that you wish you had known when you were starting your business, or maybe something that you wish you had known when you were just starting your career. Mm -hmm. What would that be? Um, uh, take care of your health because take care of yourself and think about what you eat and drink a lot of water and do those things, you know, really value that because when you don't have it, you can't do any of this. Yeah. And like I said, the doing is part of the living is part of the joy for me, even if it's a lot of work and I work a lot. I do. I, I have to shut myself off. You know, I really enjoy creating, but if you don't feel well, you know, it's no fun for anybody. So it's a simple one, but I think I value it more and more. And I think that can start at a younger age. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Amy, yeah. fabulous <laughs> to talk to you. This was so great for yeah. folks listening and watching. You can find out more about Amy at amyflurry.com. Yeah. I'll include links in the show notes for this episode, episode 111. We're so grateful that you all joined us today. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I hope everybody else did as well. I um, had a great time. Thanks so much for inviting me and for the time you put into doing something well. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love it too. It's great fun. Be safe. Be well. <laughs>